Friday afternoon on your radio, a little bit after one. Time for Inner Vision on KPFK. Hi, hello, howdy, Michael Benner. Till 2 o'clock this afternoon with Inner Vision Friday edition, a program about spirituality, metaphysics, mysticism, comparative religion and philosophy and such things, going a little bit deeper than what you think and why you and others behave the way they do to the deeper motives and even identity of self. That's that's what we try to cover today. And every Friday from 1 till 2, in fact, really, uh, throughout the strip, Monday through Friday, the Intervision and the Aware Show, spirituality and health, mental health as well as physical health, emotional health, spiritual health, I suppose you could say. And... Uh, I've got a good topic for you today. I think you're going to like it. Before I even tell you our topic for the day today, though, uh, I'd like to uh, well, I'd like to thank our guests last week and also the week before. I didn't uh, realize that I had booked back to back two such uh, wonderfully esoteric radio programs. I was just sort of coming out of Fun Drive and. These opportunities popped up, but it, it it turned out to be a kind of a double header. Two weeks ago today, Connie Zweig talking about Rumi and her novel A Moth to the Flame, which plays, of course, on the famous Rumi allegory about uh, about an individual's longing and uh, attraction or affinity to its spiritual source. And then last week, Swamiji, Paramahansa Nithyananda, uh, I thought was remarkable. Both programs, really, I, I loved. But, you know, I, I do hear from people from time to time, they say, I don't have any idea what those people are talking about. And that's, of course, because generally philosophy, esoteric philosophy, the so-called perennial philosophy or the ageless wisdom, uh, and it goes by many names. There's many Eastern philosophies that are part of this shamanism of the uh, indigenous peoples of the world. And, of course, uh, even the monotheistic religions of the West have mystical traditions, though most Christians don't know much about Rosicrucianism, and uh, few Jews know anything about the Kabbalah 
And unfortunately, not a whole lot of Muslims are uh, that familiar with the Sufi traditions. But we had a, uh, a Hindu master in last week. And, and again, as I mentioned, counties wide the week before. And I loved it, and I hope you got a little bit out of it, even if sometimes these programs seem to be a bit beyond your reach. It's, you know, a matter of stretching a little bit. And it's also my way of just saying how much I appreciate the fact that KPFK in its uh, management and administration and the the various boards and advisory groups that uh, that uh, are in charge of making sure this radio station proceeds day after day and week after week, that they would honor this. And uh, it's part of the mission. It's in the KPFK, or the, better said, the Pacifica mission statement that we go to the philosophies that uh, that underlie the roots of violence and and racism, and sexism, ageism, looksism, uh, communism, and capitalism, and all the isms. Swami G last week said no isms, <laughs> and uh, dig deep to find the roots of injustice. And certainly, part of that is a spiritual approach to who we are, what we're for, and is it really as we as we discussed both last week and the week before with. Swamiji and counties wide, our own personal fears that cause us to be so uh, violent, uh, so often uncaring, so ridiculously defensive, even in relationships with people we love the most. Degree to which we defend ourselves and argue for our rights to be right. Or to be heard. I read a nice Eckhart Tolle quote um, this week about part of being realized is that there's no more arguments. You stop arguing when you become realized. I'm not there yet. I have this talk show guy in me that likes to argue, so I <laughs> still do that. But yeah, it's uh, it's our own fears at the root of it. And and uh, a need to know oneself, yet we're seemingly disinterested in who we really are and fascinated by trying to control and understand other people. We've, we've got it so backward. It's like the uh, quotation about covering the world with leather so your feet don't get injured when it'd be so much simpler to wear shoes. Uh, talked about that quote last week also, Ramana Maharshi. Or as they say up north, there's a sign in a restaurant in Big Sur that I like too. It says, chew your food well. If you don't, who will? Like, take some ownership. Well, <laughs> wouldn't it be easier to manage your own fear than to have to manage the fears of everybody in the world? Wouldn't it make more sense to become a peaceful person and give that to the world rather than trying to get the whole world to stop fighting while you still hit your kids and yell at your husband and wife and often shoot the neighbor over the back fence. It's a little silly. Yet we need to do the work. We need to think locally and uh, rather think globally and and uh, act locally. So we will continue to be concerned with these dwag. 
But always bring it home to what you can do, and that begins with being responsible for your life. So anyway, thanks uh, to both Swamiji and Connie Zweig for being in studio, taking the time and the effort to come down here and, and do programs that you know, really do push the envelope. They may be a little, as I say, arcane for a lot of our listeners, but uh, the response I got to both programs was uh, by far positive, way over the top. Everybody, uh, uh, for the most part, that I heard from loved it. It was just a few people that said, I don't get it. What are they talking about? What is human unfoldment? I've never heard of unfoldment. What is it? The moth to the flame. Well, keep listening. And we will continue to do, from time to time, those kinds of esoteric programs. Today, we're going to be much more practical, however. We're going to go from spiritual development to the human development, which is so needed. So many people who claim to be on some sort of spiritual path have really not done their personal development yet. It's a bit of a paradox that we need to develop a sense of who we are as ego in order to drop the ego. It seems uh, confusing and contradictory, but it's true. You have to develop the false self. That simply means the part of you that identifies as the uh, separate, mortal, finite being, the fleshy guy. You know that picture on the front of your driver's license? You need an ego to uh, protect and defend this separate guy. But, of course, as your growth continues, you realize you are not really simply that separate guy, and so you need a higher sense of self. But it's a progression. It's a ladder, or perhaps more like a spiral, a staircase. And uh, that's what unfoldment is, by the way, in a nutshell. Today we're going to talk about a part of human potential, and so I'm going to sleep in dreams. I call today's program Better Sleep, Sweeter Dreams. And uh, this intersects into my field, and so I'm going to talk about it and then open up the phones a little bit later in the hour. What prompted me to do this, and it's been a long time since we talked about sleep and dreams on this program, is a news story I read this week that... Uh, referred to the millions of people, I forget the exact number, but it's, it's shocking, 10, 12 million Americans, something like that, are on Ambien or some similar sleep drug. And the side effects um, can be really dangerous. Uh, the side effects, in some cases, uh, can be found listed as sleep disorders, in the DSM, sort of a Bible for psychologists and psychotherapists, the DSM. And there's, uh, I think, a hundred and some sleep disorders. Well, Ambien and these other sleep medications often cause problems that are listed as sleep disorders. And so it uh, may be refreshing for some people to have a sleeping pill. And yet, where I'd like to begin the program is by letting you know that there's quite a bit of research that confirms that the leading cause of insomnia is sleeping pills. Okay? 
Now, if this were a commercial radio station, we would break away for a commercial for sleeping pills, right? <laughs> Which is why you'll never hear this on commercial media, because the drug companies spend you know, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars collectively in advertising. But I'm here to tell you, uh, open up Google, do your due diligence. If you think I'm kidding, you will find that the number one cause of sleeplessness is sleeping pills because there's a tolerance that's related or, or created. That's what I mean to say. There's a tolerance on the pill that's created, a reliance on the pill. You need the pill more and more and more, like so many drugs. Uh, you just become reliant on the medicine. But the number two cause of sleeplessness is anxiety. And that's what most people are suffering and why it's so easy to get good sleep and uh, even high quality of dreams, which I think is certainly part of the sleep experience. And so that's what I want to chat with you about for a few minutes today. And then we'll open up the telephones and hear your tales of sleep and dreams, your difficulties and challenges and maybe your successes as well. It's just a shame. You know, as somebody who... All of my life, I have practiced and taught meditation, self-hypnosis, and uh, various forms of visualization or guided imagery, relaxation technology, sports psychology, accelerated learning. And uh, to have the experience that I've had uh, working with other people who are in this field and also watching our clients benefit makes it increasingly difficult to see how people are suffering from sleeplessness unnecessarily, largely because the medical establishment is intimidated by all forms of and threatened by all forms of alternative healing, especially relaxation technologies and attitudinal healing and such. Uh, in fact, uh, I understand there's an effort to make relaxation a medical term, if you're ready for that. Uh, if they succeed at that, like trying to make vitamins available only by prescription, imagine needing a, a prescription from your medical doctor to take a yoga class. That's what we're talking about. They don't want you to find out that uh, the reason illness is caused dis-ease, the reason illness is called dis-ease, is pretty obvious because there's a stress component. Yeah, there's germs and viruses and such, but... It's mostly stress. Your physical illnesses and your emotional illnesses and to a larger significant extent even mental illnesses have these huge components of stress and anxiety. But again, remember, we're not interested in our individuality. We don't really want to know who we are. We're much too busy trying to figure out other people. And of course, we can only control ourselves. We cannot control other people, but let's not let that get in the way. Nevertheless, we will obsess on what's done to us and uh, try to control that. It's pretty twisted if you think about it. So here's where I want to begin. Why do we sleep? Have any idea? I mean, consider the phenomena that essentially one-third of each day we spend in a strange, unconscious state that we call sleep. And uh, most other animals, 
uh, also have their sleep cycles, although some of them are different. You know, we we know about the bear hibernating and and that the horse never lays down; it sleeps on its feet, and the shark always continues to swim. And uh, when I was in Hawaii a few weeks ago, I found out uh, whales sleep one side of the brain at a time. One hemisphere goes to sleep and the other is awake and then they swap out. So that'd be cool, wouldn't it, if you could do that? Get a lot more work done. But it's strange just to consider what we've taken for granted, that essentially one-third of every day you've got to lie down and pass out and go someplace else. And sometimes when you wake up, you have this strange recollection of thoughts and feelings that have passed, some of them, again, quite odd, during this state of unconsciousness, so-called dreams. Well, we still don't know exactly why people need sleep, but we do know it has more to do with dreaming than rest. I mean, think about it. You can do nothing all day, and you still need to sleep at night. You can lay on the couch for a week straight, do nothing, and you're still going to have to cop some Z's once in a while, right? And so the research has been done, and we find that human beings, if they're allowed to get some dream time in, we can, we can go quite a ways with very little sleep. But if we're robbed of dream time, no matter how much you're allowed to sleep, if every time that REM activity, that rapid eye movement starts, you're gently awakened and allowed to go back to sleep so that you get as much sleep as you want, but you're deprived of dream time, that'll last maybe 48 hours before you bit flip, before you begin to hallucinate, before you have a psychic break with reality. So essential is the need to dream. Hmm. That's why... I think it's important to look at sleep and dreams as an altered state of consciousness, not just simply taking for granted the fact that we have to lay down once a day, or, or maybe you sleep sitting up, whatever. But sleep overtakes you, and you have to do it once a day. Why not consider it as an altered state? That's really what it is. And what's with these dreams? So that's the first thing I want to talk about, that it looks largely like the need to dream, the imperative need to have dreams, and they come about, oh, six to eight minutes, every 90 to 100 minutes. Some people say, oh, I never dream, I, I, I just don't have dreams. Well, that's not true. Everybody dreams, it's just most people don't remember them because you dismiss them as not important. You keep a pad of paper and a pen next to your bed and start writing down just little glimpses, little dream fragments, even without any attempt to understand them, and you'll find that very quickly you begin to remember more and more and more of your dreams, and you keep doing that, and it gets easier to understand your dreams, which, you know, Freud and many other psychologists have said, hey, this is a great way to bypass the uh, conscious mind and all of its silliness and role-playing and rationalization, we can take a, a high road right to the higher self, right to the subconscious, when we begin to take a look at our dreams. Not even analyze them, just write them down. They'll, in time, 
if you write a dream down, if you, if you just keep a dream log or a journal without having to analyze, and then maybe once or twice a month you just sit down and flip through that dream book, you'll understand them. They're hardest to understand first thing in the morning, but let them mellow. Like, <laughs> like grape juice, you'll get wine. So that's the first point I want to put out there, and I'd like to, again, encourage you to, well, consider letting us know what your sleep and dream experiences are, for better or for worse, um, when we open up the telephones in just a few minutes. Maybe the reason that we sleep is to dream, and that, of course, begs the question, well, what is the need to dream? We see it in the labs. People have to dream, but what is that about? We're not sure. Again, the research is still inconclusive. Looks like it has to some extent to do with organizing information, to some extent with shifting information from your short-term to your long-term memory. And there's a certain filtering process or prioritization, is that a word? Prioritizing that goes on with that. Others say, no, it's much more uh, spiritual than that. It has to do with uh, connecting with the the oversoul or the higher self on its own plane. Well, not sure, but I do know this, that with a little practice, as I said, you can begin to remember and understand your dreams, and with a little more practice, even incubate a dream. Did you know that? Yeah. And... I'd like to talk about that. It's as simple as suggesting it, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. My my concern still in choosing this topic today, better sleep and sweeter dreams, is the tens of millions of Americans who have to take drugs. And if it's not Ambien or some prescription, maybe uh, your sleep drug of choice is uh, Jack Daniels or uh, Mr. Cuervo or, uh, you know, some some other kind of uh, downer or, or drug that you begin to rely on. And it's not necessary. None of this is necessary. So I'd like to talk to you again about how to go to sleep in case you are one of those people that is uh, using medication to go to sleep and then often having to use some sort of upper in the morning and then another downer at night, another upper in the morning just because we live such an insane lifestyle. You know, when we lived in small towns, rural areas, whether it was a farm or just a little city and we had more control in our lives and more influence on the events in our lives, this was not a problem. I mean, I'm sure there have always been a few people who had sleep problems, but it's it's an epidemic today because of the stress, the anxiety, and the levels of fear. So here's the secret, really. You have to convince yourself that you're safe in order to go to sleep. That's it. That's the bottom line. You see, worry is what's keeping you awake. A fear that the subconscious doesn't know is simple anxiety Subconscious thinks there might be some danger in that anxiety. And it kicks into what's called the fight-or-flight response. It's going to try to protect you from the potential danger that might be in the room. 
or in the area somehow. It doesn't know. It just is going to keep you from going to sleep because if you go to sleep, then the danger might sneak up on you and kill you or eat you or whatever. And so it's, a, it, it's really a good intention that the subconscious has when it keeps you awake, when it prevents you from going to sleep. It says, uh-uh, you're far too worried. You're stressing out. Look at all these fears and anxieties that are roaring around inside your brain. And those look dangerous to me, so you're going to stay awake, buddy. All right. Now, again, I don't know very many doctors that are going to take the time to sit you down and tell you this. All right. And there's really no profit in it. And most people would rather have the drug. You ask doctors, for example, why they prescribe antibiotics for people with viruses when an antibiotic only works on bacteria. Uh, and, and, you know, you're just breeding bacteria that are ever more resistant to the antibiotic when you do that. But doctors will do that. They will prescribe an antibiotic when somebody has a virus, and you say, why do you do that? And they say, because people demand it. They want the drugs. Have you ever noticed how many chiropractors carry dietary supplements? They went to school to align backs, but they're selling all these pills and powders and potions. Why? That's what people want. Give me a pill. Give me a powder. Give me a potion. Right? Give me something. I want instant gratification. I want an instant benefit. And uh, I sort of understand that. But if we could handle it with less intervention, just by telling yourself that you're safe and demonstrating to yourself that you're safe, you can go to sleep. Now, first of all, when you talk to yourself, who are you talking to? Well, that one's easier than you might think. There is this other aspect of mind that does not sleep. I mentioned it before, the so-called subconscious or unconscious. It doesn't sleep. The only part that sleeps is the conscious mind, the part that identifies with you. Subconscious or unconscious never sleeps because it's what? Maintaining body temperature and blood pressure and breathing and beating the heart and, um, my goodness, uh, scores of other stimulus, uh, response, uh, reactions and duties that the subconscious mind has to keep you alive, even digesting food, fighting disease, uh, repairing and replacing cells, all while you're passed out. You, <laughs> you don't know how to do that, right? If I said, heal this cut, beat your heart, you know, we have very little voluntary influence over that. Breathing, we can influence a bit. Truth is, we can influence the way the body works in countless ways, but only when we're relaxed, only when we feel safe. So who you're talking to as you fall asleep is the conscious mind, the one that's going to sleep, is talking to master control center, the subconscious. And what you've got to do is say, you're safe. I know I've got a hundred thoughts demanding my attention, but I want to go to sleep. I need to go to sleep to wake up refreshed and deal with these thoughts in the morning, but now I want to put them down. So you start with just telling yourself, I am safe. It helps also to take several slow, deep breaths. That's another nice thing to do. Any student of yoga or um, 
my goodness, how many other psychotechnologies uh, emphasize the importance of slow, deep breathing, conscious breathing. Um, that's and, and especially as you exhale, relax. Let's even make that two steps. You want to go to sleep? The leading cause of sleeplessness after sleeping pills is worry and anxiety. So you tell yourself you're safe. You're talking to the subconscious mind. You take a few slow, deep breaths. And as you exhale, in particular, you create and sense a feeling of relaxation. You actually feel muscles in your body relaxing. There's a hundred-year-old field called autogenics, out of which comes so-called progressive muscular relaxation or fractional relaxation, where you start with the feet, tighten, tighten, and then feel the letting go. Then you go to the calves, tighten, tighten, ah, feel the letting go. You'll probably be lucky if you get to the shoulders. You'll be asleep before you even get there, many of you. Uh, so tell yourself you're safe. Do the slow, deep breathing. Do the physical relaxation. Another nice technique is to imagine, to visualize a beautiful place of perfect peace. Uh why wait till you fall asleep to have a dream when you could have a conscious, vivid, lucid uh, dream through conscious visualization or guided imagery of you in a beautiful place or maybe remembering a wonderful vacation or, or some fantasy that you have, you know? Even people who program dreams to help themselves solve problems, dream incubation, I hope we can talk about that a little when you call in a minute, uh, dream incubation, programming dreams, solving problems in their dreams, will take their sense of solution and optimism and enthusiasm to bed with them. Never take a problem to bed with you. In fact, the whole room in which you sleep should be a place where you refuse to worry or think negatively. Don't pay bills in the bedroom. Don't argue with anybody in the bedroom. If you got a problem you got to solve or an argument that won't end, get the hell out of the bedroom and go do it someplace else in the house. You always go to sleep with a smile on your face, telling yourself you're safe and relaxed. And if you want to suggest that when you wake up in the morning you'll remember one of your dreams, fine. Just tell yourself, your subconscious speaks English, it's always listening, it hears what you say, you've heard it argue back with you sometimes, so just tell yourself. In fact, you can add understand. You just say as you're falling asleep, and when I wake up in the morning, I'll remember and understand one of my dreams. Start small. One of my dreams. Okay. Uh... There's a lot of fun that we can have with this whole idea. And, again, my primary concern is getting the tens of millions of Americans who are using drugs to go to sleep. And I know they call them medicines, but, you know, Ambien's a real problem and the other related drugs. Uh, we were talking about some of the sleep disorders like uh, uh, somnambulism or um, the sleep-eating uh, sleepwalking, it's often known as, you know, people that get up and walk around the house and they're still sound asleep. Or, you know, Patrick Kennedy the other day got in the car. Uh, the congressman from, where is he, Rhode Island or someplace. 
part of the Kennedy clan, gets in the car, goes for a little drive, and he's sound asleep. It's not till he crashes his car that he wakes up. What is he, drunk, stoned? He's on ambient. Okay. Or sleep eating. There are people that'll get up in the middle of the night, cook a whole meal, spend an hour and a half out in the kitchen cooking, la-da-da-da-da, sit down and eat the meal, go back to bed, wake up in the morning, and like the three bears, you know, who's been eating our porridge, go out in the, in, into the kitchen and it's like, who ate, <laughs> where'd these dirty dishes come from? They have no idea at all. And uh, it's a complicated issue, but it becomes more complicated when we resort to these horrible medications. Now, I know every I'm going to get somebody who loves Ambien calling me, giving me a hard time. When I talk about antidepressants, they have their defenders. So, look, if you're an adult and you want to do these drugs, fine. My job as a journalist and a commentator is to let people know that this is not your only alternative. And the pharmaceutical industry will not tell you and your trusted medical doctor is not likely to tell you that there are these safe alternatives like breathing. There's a crazy idea. Like letting go of muscular tension. There's a crazy idea. Like telling yourself you're safe and even imagining yourself. And there's counting exercises, too. Counting down from 10 to 1 or 25 to 1. and Visualization exercises that go with that. This is a proven field. It's an old field, and a lot of psychologists and psychotherapists know about it, hypnotherapists, meditation teachers, yoga teachers, uh, martial arts people, accelerated learning. I wanted you to know about it, too. And I'd love to hear from you, whether you have sleep and dream problems or sleep and dream solutions. We're talking today about better sleep and sweeter dreams without those pharmaceutical drugs Give me a call if you'd like to chat, 818-985-5735. Brooks is our producer. You'll talk to her before you go on the radio. We're here till 2, commercial-free. So we are going to take a short break, but we'll be back with your calls on Sleep and Dreams. Michael Benner on Intervision, 818-985-5735. We'll be right back. KPFK and your radio at 90.7 FM all across Southern California. Out of Santa Barbara County, we're heard at 98.7 FM. And, of course, streaming for the world at kpfk.org. I want to mention that uh, the best way to get more information about this program and about me is through the KPFK website. And uh, you can find my website there, but... Management prefers that you go through KPFK's website, and why not? And you can also just Google Michael Benner if you want information on the podcast of this program, which uh, continues to be free, and I anticipate will always be free. I see no reason to charge for that podcast. I'm happy to do it, and uh, I have others who help me with that. So you can get that through the iTunes Music Store or, again, uh, any information, just Google Michael Benner or go at my websites through kpfk.org. That's where we're going to handle that. Google, what the heck? <laughs> Michael Benner, there you go. But you really should be familiar with the kpfk.org website. It's a treasure trove of information about all the other programs that you can hear on this great radio station. So bookmark it, okay? We're talking today about sleep and dreams 
better sleep, sweeter dreams, trying to get tens of millions of Americans off these horrible drugs, Ambien and these other drugs, that actually are the leading cause of insomnia. How crazy is that? Why would somebody... It's like I've always suspected that dandruff shampoo causes dandruff. Am I just cynical or what? Have you ever... As soon as I stopped using dandruff shampoos as a teenager, my dandruff went up. And, and haven't, you, haven't you considered the possibility that the people that write the computer viruses are the same people that sell you the software to protect you against the computer viruses? Or am I, or am I just being paranoid? I, I, <laughs> I think so. And so we shouldn't be surprised that uh, sleeping pills cause insomnia. Well, of course they do, to create more of a need. And yet, don't believe me, check the research. All right? The number one cause of insomnia, a reliance on sleeping pills. Number two, and this is, the, this is gosh, this is most people, including most of those who resorted to the sleeping pills in Category 1. It's anxiety, folks. You can't sleep because your subconscious is scared to death. It doesn't know what it's afraid of, and that's the rub. People think all anxiety and stress and worry and fear must have some element of danger in it, and it doesn't. That's technically the difference between anxiety and fear. That fear is of a danger, real or imagined, to some extent. In order to be a fear, it's got to, in some way, have some element of risk or danger involved in it. Anxiety is not about danger. It's about confusion. And so when you say, well, I can't sleep, I just worry and worry, and I think and I think, and I can't meditate, I don't know how to quiet my mind, and I don't know what's going on. What am I so afraid of? That's the point. You're not afraid. You just don't know. You're confused. You don't know who you are. You don't know why you do most of what you do. You don't know why you feel the way you feel. You don't know why you think the way you think. And you're so consumed with figuring out other people and their thoughts and feelings and actions, trying to control what you cannot control, that there's little time left for real, honest introspection. And if you understood yourself, or as you come to understand yourself better, I can guarantee you will like yourself better. I promise, that's a guarantee. The more you know about yourself, the more you will like yourself. Because you'll change the things you don't like and, and amplify and accelerate the things that you do like. And then you'll begin to feel safer in the world, and then you'll be able to have better sleep and sweeter dreams. So we've talked about some of the techniques, about the slow, deep breathing about the progressive muscular relaxation, especially as you exhale, feel the letting go, about visualizing a beautiful place of perfect peace, about just silently uh, talking to yourself and saying, I am safe. I'm in my bed. Everything's cool. In fact, tomorrow's going to be a great day. Whoever thinks to psych up for the next day as you lay in bed ready to go to sleep, wanting to drift off to some really restful sleep. Who's ever told you to 
Think about the next day in the most positive of terms. Even if there's a few things coming up that you dread, you know, a particular meeting or, oh, no, tomorrow I've got my tax appointment. Oh, I'm going to get shredded. Just think of it in the most optimistic and positive way. Reassure yourself. You can sleep. And then there are the counting techniques. I don't know why people count up. You know that counting sheep thing? That's about as old as... as, uh, time itself. And it, I don't know why it's even cheap. I don't care what you count, but if you want to go to sleep, count down. Don't count up. You could count sheep or unicorns or Republicans or jumping over the fence. I don't know, but count down. <laughs> don't count up. All right. Even that thing about uh, if you're angry, count to 10. No, count down. Deeper, slower, smaller numbers going down deeper and deeper more and more relaxed. You can learn to do this and get off these stupid pharmaceuticals. Half of America. You know how many of our accidents on the freeways have to do with sleep deprivation? Bhopal, Chernobyl, Space Shuttle Challenger, all the great disasters have sleepy people involved. It's one of the great suppressed secrets. Narcolepsy. Do you know that before Tom Edison invented the light bulb, Americans on average slept 10 hours a night? And then in, what was it, 1875 or 1880, something like that, Edison invents the light bulb, and immediately sleep time goes down to about eight hours. Well, now it's six and a half. It was 10, now it's six and a half, and you wonder why you're sleepy. Let's go to the telephone and see what folks have to stay, say. Or what they have to stay, I don't know. I feel mushmouth today. <laughs> Need some lemons. Let's go to Hollywood. We'll start with Kathy. You're on KPFK with Michael Benner. Hi, Kathy. Hi, how you doing? I'm wide awake. I'm feeling fine. <laughs> Me too. I wanted to share uh, what an experiment um, my husband and son and I have been doing since he read two books, Healing Night and Lights Out. We uh, keep our lights out at night. We don't turn any bright lights on. We use a little night light in the bathroom and, like, Christmas-type lights, but no bright lights. You and, mean as, uh, the, as the sun goes down and the world gets darker and darker? We let it get dark at our home. And use only the minimal amount of lighting? Mm-hmm. And, and we found that it helps to make us sleepy, so we go to bed. Um, we try to go to bed early. We... It's been getting later and later since it's been getting lighter later, but we um, would, I'd go to bed sometimes at 8 o'clock at night, and um, some nights we'd get 10, 12 hours sleep because we go to bed so early. My son has started going to bed early. He's a teenager because he's noticed how much better he feels the next day. Um, I felt have felt so much better. I look forward to my going to bed at night because I really enjoy my dream time now. It's like another life I have that uh-huh. I look forward to. Are you writing them down? or? No, I'm not. I should. My husband has been writing his dreams for years. Uh-huh. But um, I just kind of look at just enjoy it. And then if I ever do wake up in, um, in the middle of the night or something, I have this um, this technique I use. It's called emotional freedom technique um, that I do, um, which you can go to emofree.com on the computer. It's a free 
technique you can do to yourself to, that balances your energy system. And, it, and not only I do that to help myself get to sleep, but I'll do it sometimes to get my neighbor to quit snoring so loudly. <laughs> <laughs> so it works on him, too. And also another thing is to make sure there's no light coming into your room at night. We had to really rig up some extra thick curtains on our windows because that really makes a difference, too. Right. Well, uh, again, I don't know that that would universally work. I think that my favorite part of what you've said is, and this goes back to Edison inventing the light bulb, that um, what we're missing is the natural... I mean, what are we, three million years old, roughly, and we've been basically, any backpacker or camper will tell you that if you are outdoors backpacking or camping, it gets dark, you're pretty much getting ready for bed, whether it's uh, 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock or whatever time, it's dark, there's nothing to do. And you get tired. Yeah, and besides, it's going to get light early in the morning, Mm -hmm. so... Those are natural rhythms, and I think that's what you're doing is allowing the body to subtly perceive this transition from day into night. But if we pop those lights on, and anybody can do the experiment, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, it's very healing. It's great. Yeah, good. Thanks, Kathy. Appreciate it. So just try it one night, two nights. See what happens. I've heard of this before. And uh, leave your lights off. And when you go to turn on the lights... Leave them off. Or, you know, you might need a little bit of light to get around the house or whatever, but keep them dim. And uh, now a lot of us, we we can sleep no matter how bright it is. But let's go to, uh, did you want to go to Ed next or uh, or Glenn and Altadena? Okay. Glenn, you're on KPFK with Michael Benner. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I I just wanted to share with you that um, my my Problems are solved because I sleep so well. I just wake up in the morning, and the problem that I had the day before, like I'm trying to solve it, is all solved, and I have the answer to it. Now, and I think we don't understand how powerful yoga is. The Russians stay in space twice as long as our astronauts, and you know, astronauts have been having a lot of trouble. They took yogis into space, and they taught them how to breathe and how to do yoga. That's the basic thing. They stay there twice as long. We stay 12 months, they stay 24 months. What did you learn in yoga to help you solve problems while you sleep? You know, I, I didn't. <laughs> I, I've, I've, just had, I've just had these various masters that taught me. Uh, I, can, I, can, I can go unconscious. I can do one set, hold my breath, and go completely unconscious because it's just a, a progression of yoga that I took. So for you, going to sleep is meditating. You just don't stop. You keep going all the way down. Uh, I, I, I just I fall asleep like like I always have, but but I just um, I don't know. I, it just it just works somehow for me. And I do I do yoga in the morning, and and it seems to stimulate certain certain patterns of the yoga seems to stimulate uh, problem solving, and so. I, my my mind, my unconscious mind, or whatever, it seems to keep working, even though I'm not aware of it. And when I wake up, I this this the answer to my problem is just is just solved. And he, I want to ask you about that, but I, I I want to get something straight about yoga because yoga to me, meaning union, is essentially meditation. But I'm afraid most people think of yoga as simply the asanas. <clears throat> what do you mean when you say I do yoga? Well, 
I do uh, I do like an hour and a half of physical of these physical things. I did uh, Kundalini yoga to begin with. I did some Hatha, then I did some Buddhist some Buddhist yoga from masters. Okay, but taught me. But Hatha yoga is the exercises, right? The asanas, the stretching. Well, no, no, no. They, well, they all have these exercises. Well, too many of them stop with the asanas. The stretching is wonderful, but all of that is preparation for the meditation or the yoga, the union. Well, you, uh, the way I was taught, anyway, you, you, you certainly you have meditations, but, but you know. Uh, what is what is what does yoga mean? Well, to me, it means that you you are meditating while you're doing the exercises. Oh, I, I mean, see. That's how we're how we're taught, but but you have these different. Uh, each each yoga set gives you a different energy. So it, it stimulates the heart center or some part of the body, and it's and the martial artists. I learned basically two from martial artists, and uh, that's the one that's <laughs> that's a death penalty to teach. It's a you know it's a cross pattern uh, uh, exercise that you do for for sixty sixty two minutes straight. Well, I think if you have, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I think no. if you have an optimistic attitude about problems being solved, then that's a kind of a suggestion or expectation as you go to sleep. Something beginners can do who don't have your experience and maybe are not practicing yoga as much as you is simply suggest to themselves that when they wake up, this particular problem will be solved or or they'll remember a dream. This is so-called dream incubation, that when I wake up, I'll remember and understand a dream that will help me solve this problem I have in mind. And often yeah. you wake up thunderstruck, like, oh, my God. And I think artists, creative people, poets, songwriters, often have the experience of waking up in the middle of the night, and they just can't write fast enough. So something going on here. Yeah. Yep. All right. Very good. You got a parting shot for us? Pardon me? Final pardon, comment? Parting pardon shot? shot? Well, I, I would just encourage people to you know, to learn the breathing techniques at least. And, and if they can, you know, go go to some uh, some good yoga teachers and, and just stretch. Don't don't try to make a big deal out of it. But, but I think that helps to uh, put your body in a situation where you can sleep a lot less. You can uh, – I, I, I can sleep for six hours and – and be totally rested. Yeah, though that depends. Some people need more rest. Some people yeah, need right, less rest. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right, and, but... and sometimes I need more rest. Yeah, <laughs> okay. What I do. All right. Thanks, Robert. Thank you very much. Yeah, if you don't believe in yoga, watch your cat or any animal. They're always stretching and obviously benefit from it. You ever push on a cat's muscle? You know, push on a leg muscle or or some muscle in the cat that just separates. They're just so incredibly relaxed, and yet. You know, with a spring and, and a, a strength and a resilience that is quite remarkable. And a lot of yoga and Tai Chi in China comes from just watching the uh, the movements of, uh, of animals, which in our so-called civilization we tend to forget. We're talking about better sleep and sweeter dreams. Let's go to West L.A. And Robert, you're on KPFK in Intervision with Michael Benner. Hi, Robert. Michael, how you doing? Better and better, thanks. Hey, uh, I had uh, one comment to make, but first, uh, the last caller brought up an interesting point, and I uh, thought I might add to it. He talked about yoga and uh, his uh, better sleeping and problems being solved. My experience in Kundalini yoga years and years ago is that it tends to blow out the subconscious. In other words, 
you know, we obsess over things during our waking hours, and that sort of reverberates into the subconscious, which will dutifully work to solve the problem. And the yoga, if properly done, where one is mindful as they're breathing and stretching and what have you, tends to rid our minds of that stuff so that our deeper mind is left to to deal with the real problems. Uh, that's the one thought on what uh, the last caller was talking about. Okay, I, I I guess my only caveat in this regard is that there are so many different approaches to yoga. We've already talked about Raja Yoga, Hatha Yoga, Kundalini Yoga. Um, then there are so-called integral forms of yoga. Yoga is often very personal. Again, it means yoke or hookup or union. And it has to do with the experience that all mystics seek in uh, getting closer to their spiritual source of things. And to me, it's becoming a path of least resistance. And those thoughts are forms of resistance. So I would tend to agree with you that anything you can do to become a path of least resistance, to stand open and receptive to our spiritual intent, how about if I put it that way, uh, to create a, a more uh, conducive path to ground. You know, spirit wants to go to matter. All energy wants an earth ground. We are the conductor. So yoga is about one way of looking at it, becoming a path of least resistance in that regard. Or as you said, which is absolutely true, yoga does mean union. So anything that assists you in that respect yep. Yep. is going to be yoga. The other comment I want to make very quickly is uh, not a not a sleep and dream solution or dream and sleep uh, problem, but perhaps a motivation uh, for anybody out there. Um, you know, in America today, everybody is looking for is seeking the human potential movement, the New Age movement, the spiritual movement. Everybody's involved in some practice or another. And what they're seeking, I think, anyway, is a more expansive experience of themselves, uh, a, a, an experience of wholeness. My experience with dream journaling and dream recall is that that's actually the fastest way to get a deeper sense of yourself and the quickest way. Well, it's certainly one way. I, I'm, I'm not sure I've ever rated all my techniques in that regard, and I'm not mocking you. I, I honor what you're saying, but uh, it certainly is one way. I guess people who say, well, I don't have time for yoga, and I can't sit still for meditation, and uh, I'm not driving across town to hear any spiritual teachers. Well, you got a third of your day, you're asleep, so why not work with that? Well, that's... <laughs> you're going to you're going to be sleeping and dreaming anyway, and it is a lot of effort to to start a dream journal and to do all that. Especially if you're waking up in the middle of the night with a dream, it can seem like a hassle at first. But it, my experience of it was though it opens up a whole new dimension of yourself. You realize that you're just not living on the surface of your mind. There's a whole lot of things that are going on. Yeah, you are not your mind. You are not your thoughts. If somebody's having a problem going to sleep because all these thoughts are competing for their attention and they think those thoughts are who they are, well, then the idea of letting go of them would never even occur. 
to the one who thinks they are their thoughts. And we have people who go further. They think they are their bodies. They think they are their automobiles. They think they are their money. They think they are their status. We've got a long way to go. And yet, as I often say, because it's just so intriguing and bizarre to me, everyone knows that we're unique. We've got fingerprint evidence and DNA proof of our uniqueness. And 99% of Americans couldn't care less. Just have no interest at all in their uniqueness. They'd much rather chat and gossip about other people. And yet at the same time, if you ask anybody or most people I've ever talked to, they're really tired of their everyday experience of life, which they reinforce by not caring about themselves. That's right. Got to go. We're all out of time. I hear the music. Take care. Thanks, Robert. Yeah, well, the only uh, challenge there, of course, is that uh, the direction to move in when you decide to understand yourself is right into your fears because they represent that which you do not know. How are you going to understand yourself but to move into the direction of what you don't know? And that's your fears, your anxieties, and your stresses. The very things that keep you awake. Hope you liked it. Better sleep, sweeter dreams, get off the drugs. You're supposed to sleep and enjoy it. Sometimes I wish I didn't have to, but uh, it's nice. It's sweet. I want to thank you for listening. Thanks for calling. I want to thank D'Angelo Jones, as always, for engineering. Brooks for being our screener, producer. Doreen Key, my wife, for all her wonderful help. Everybody else. Join us every Friday at 1 o'clock for InterVision on KPFK. And as always, be gentle of life and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. You've been listening to InterVision on radio powered by the people. KPFK 90.7 FM Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, and streaming live at kpfk.org.